Show, a weekly podcast on the ever-changing world of natural refrigerants. Brought to you by Sheko with support from component maker Teco. Today we will be discussing the major news items impacting the world of natural refrigerants. My name is Michael Gary, editor of Sheko's Accelerate America magazine and North American editor for Sheko, and I will be hosting today's podcast from our New York area bureau outside of New York City. I'm joined today by Charlotte McLaughlin, multimedia reporter for Sheko's Brussels, Belgium main office, and Marie Batesti, policy analyst in the market development team of Sheko, also in Brussels. Good to be with you today. You too, Michael. So today, we'll be discussing some very interesting topics. Uh, first, Marie uh, is back from Lyon, France, where she where she uh, attended the CIFA HVAC&R conference uh, on industrial commercial refrigeration. She'll talk about that. Finally, I will discuss um, the cover story of the next Accelerate American magazine, Ice Rinks, and the proper refrigerant to be used in those installations. All right, so we'll start off at CIFA, Marie. So I was um, at CIFA. It's a French trade show. It's the national uh, trade show organized every year in France. This year it was organized in Lyon. Uh, so you need to bear in mind that uh, in France, Lyon is a bit the uh, Atlanta uh, for refrigeration in the US. It's the hut of refrigeration. So it was very relevant to organize it there because you have most um, component manufacturers. Um, so SMEs basically the big companies and stuff we're working uh, with yeah. who are French based are in Lyon. Most basically. of them are in okay. Lyon. Yeah. There's the whole supply chain and everything. Mm-hmm. So very relevant city uh, for your business uh, in France. Um, so basically we came there with the idea to explore a little bit for once the perspective of local manufacturers um, to see if there are like this network of SMEs working in the refrigeration sector in France because as you can imagine it's very based on network and you know networking people knowing each other if they are also taking off or it's just a, a multinational thing natural refrigerants and actually the trend seems to be there um I've heard very positive comments regarding, you know, the rise of CO2 and hydrocarbons in terms of growth. So, of course, the driver is the HFC phase down in Europe. But in France, there's the specificity as well of the famous HFC tax. It took a long time um, to be... So, is the HFC tax, is it a thing now? Yes. Are we sure? Because yes. we've had, yes, it's on the finance bill. No, it's taken out of the finance bill. Yes, they put it back in. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be an amendment later on. Maybe they'll put it in here. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually agreed. Yes, now it's finally agreed. Okay. Well, well, <laughs> I don't want to... <laughs> but it's true that I don't know if you heard, but at the moment we have little problems with riots and demonstrations regarding environmental taxes. So I hope uh, Macron won't turn his back on this one as well. But it's actually on the agenda. Like, should we get should we get rid of all the environmental taxes? But the HFC tax is more a business. Uh, it's kind of hidden. It doesn't really impact the consumer. Although when I asked uh, manufacturers and retailers mm-hmm. at the show, they were telling me that they were not too worried about the HFC tax uh, in the way that you know it's products anywhere they need to buy. So the impact would be on consumers and our international competitiveness 
which is more of a problem. But at least for natural refrigerants, it's a clear driver. So basically the HFC tax was, is in the final draft for adoption. Normally shouldn't move. And because there's a majority at the parliament in favor of Macron's party who's supporting uh, this tax, normally should pass. Uh, unless the president quits uh, because the country's on fire. You never know, you know, but normally (laughs) it shouldn't be like that. So normally it should pass. Uh, It's true that they took it off at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, And well, the head of the parliament, the rapporteur for the finance bill, put it back. So I think he had some kind of guidelines from above to put it back because uh, the tax appeared in the climate pledge of the, the former minister of the environment, uh, Nicolas Hulot. Therefore, um, it was quite symbolic uh, for the government in power to put it. It was announced. So, And they are very strict on sticking to what they promised. Anyways, so this this is a powerful driver and um, probably explains as well this rising trend. Um, when I asked those local um, companies, uh, their main argument for customers, they were really about the argument of future-proving the operations. Um, it seems to be the key, uh, the so key element. So basically they're trying to not like, you know, you pay for a system who, that might be slightly cheaper now, mm-hmm. but later on you're going to have to retrofit it, HFCs are going to be super expensive, it's going to be like annoying. So they, they try to bring that kind of business case. Is yeah, exactly. So it was, well, you know, we, we hear it a lot, but um, apparently it's like, it's quite a strong argument. Uh, bear in mind that I feel like in France, um, well, we have, um, we are manufacturers of chemical HFCs and products. We mm-hmm. have Arkema. So I feel like when you go to the, these big trade shows, it's true that the chemical industry has quite a big presence. Mm-hmm. But I felt uh, an evolution since last time we went. But yeah, just to say, um, it's not like in Denmark. It's not an easy win. It's less, it's still a low hanging fruit, but it's less of a low hanging fruit, the business case. Mm-hmm. So um, the future proofing uh, of the operations is really uh, good news. Because, yeah, the energy efficiency is, there are still, like, people are still arguing over the energy efficiency of natural-based equipment, so, natural refrigerant-based equipment. So, so in some ways, it's almost, it's almost like the U.S. market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite conservative, and they admit it themselves. Yeah. And that's why, like, uh, big multinationals are often saying, because I was asking mostly, like, what is the French specificity of this one, like, you know, trying to, I don't know find a difference and they were like well it's true that the french might be a bit more scared of uh, those new products innovative innovative mm-hmm. technologies a bit uh, overthinking the consequences of using something new mm-hmm. you know the flammability so maybe that would be a specificity to bear in mind when you enter the business i guess uh, in to overcome this barrier and there's also in france there's like ammo- strict ammonia regulations mm-hmm. there's like, regulations on propane and hydrocarbons as yep. well that are much Doesn't different have. than the rest of europe which are probably not also helping the case yes indeed but uh stuff are moving uh not for ammonia but um it's an old regulation and industry players are really um now uh, well well informed and are now mm. playing around and get actually usually when you have a big industrial ammonia plant for example you get uh, heat recovery systems mm-hmm. and um, at least um, businesses get sub- uh, subsidies from the states uh, for the heat recovery because it's considered as environmentally friendly so 
I don't feel too worried about ammonia and for hydrocarbons, indeed, uh, Sheko um, is strongly advocating uh, to the main stakeholders to remove those barriers. So it's basically a ban on air conditioning in uh, buildings open to the public. Uh, but, well, uh, work is on the table. There, mm -hmm. th There's actually discussion and debate. It's better than uh, uh, last year where there was nothing. So at least policymakers are made aware and are trying to, to, to change the formula and to align with the European Union standard, um, which is uh, open to air conditioning in buildings open to the public with, you know, a charge limit of hydrocarbons, but at least a little bit. Um, so the good news is that if they change it, which is on the agenda, they would always align on the Euro European Union standard. And Sheko is also doing work at the EU level to increase the charge limit for the EU standard. So maybe there's a way like this to push the French market uh, by influencing the EU standard. And they're actually, uh, yeah, I guess it's easy to convince to align on EU standards because it's a credible, trusted uh, standard used in 28 member states so we should be all right thank you thank you marie uh yeah i think there are some similarities between france and the u.s but u.s doesn't have the european union to look look to so we we have that disadvantage right now however things may change speaking of the u.s i want to talk now about the uh cover story that i did for the next accelerate america magazine uh, which is coming in the november december issue coming out tomorrow online so look for that at accelerateNA.com. the headline is ice rinks rich refrigerant is best and this this story was inspired by the national hockey league which is of course the professional hockey league uh in in north america and uh they recently partnered with Kimura's to promote HFO blends, R449A, R513A, as what they're calling green refrigerants for North American ice rinks. Point, how can they call them green when the GWPs are, uh, like for example, of R449A is close to 1300, quite high, hardly green. 513A is half that, but still pretty high compared to natural refrigerants, certainly. So um, that's the question. Uh, you know, the, the NHL announced this partnership with Camorras, and yet more sustainable choice would be natural refrigerants like ammonia and or CO2, which is what many industry stakeholders told me um, for this article. Why exactly did the NHL partner with Camorras? Like, what is behind this? It's a good question. Um, NHL uh, actually declined to comment for this article. They referred me to Camores. And, um, you know, it's the background is that in 2014, the league started releasing sustainability reports. They started getting more into environmental questions. Uh, in 2016, they started the Greener Rinks Initiative, which basically is uh, committed to sharing sustainable business practices with all the all different ice rinks in North America. So they became uh, very committed to green solutions and ice rink technology. Um, and uh, that's partly because a lot of their rinks still use R22, so they need to replace those. And they decided to throw their hat in the in the Camorra's ring. Um, and so, you know, the, the question is, why would they do that? That's something I, I think they would have to answer, and they declined to say. Um, so we don't really know, at least on the record, what what's behind that. In any event, uh, the point of this article is uh, to show that, and we did give Camores uh, an opportunity to comment for the article, which they did in depth. Um, and it's true that as a drop-in solution, uh, their uh, 
uh, refrigerants um, are, are, are an option that uh, people are turning to, not only in ice rinks, but in supermarkets and other places. Um, however, um, in the article, I quoted a number of companies uh, and studies and even uh, hockey teams uh, talking about um, why natural refrigerants, whether it be ammonia or CO2 or combination, um, are, are much more, much better some pushback even from their own like hockey teams like right well the uh, interesting thing is that um the individual teams are uh they each have separate owners who can make their own decisions uh independent of the league office and um so nobody's uh used our 449a or 513a um in the past, uh, and it's unclear whether whether they will in the future. I spoke to um, a couple of the teams that are using ammonia as their refrigerant. In fact, ammonia uh, is used by the uh, one of the teams I interviewed, the uh, Edmonton Oilers in Canada, um, and another team, the Montreal Canadiens in Canada, and they were voted the best by the players themselves, the best rinks in terms of ice quality. So that was an endorsement. Uh, by the players, the, the hockey players for ammonia, and yeah, the, the um, there's another environmental question uh, having to do with uh, the uh, the uh, these these are HFO blends. They combine um, HFCs with HFOs. Uh, the HFO that they use is R1234YF, which in the atmosphere decomposes into trifluoroacetic acid which comes back down to earth in the rain, and there are still environmental questions surrounding. The effect, the ultimate effect of TFA. Like in Europe, there's been a lot of warnings by a um, few environmental right. agencies about these hate right. And they're sort of, I, I mean, I guess, right. you know, like, fool me once, shame on me, fool me three times. Like, you're right. starting right. to get a bit right. skeptical about these right. chemical refrigerants. Right. It's a, it's a fourth generation refrigerant now. And um, the previous three have uh, hurt the environment. And so this one, uh, the, uh, you know, there are questions, uh, serious questions, that have yet to really be uh, completely answered. The, the research is ongoing, but the, the concern is that if HFOs become, you know, widespread, then uh, the TFA uh, produced will increase uh, exponentially, and that, uh, you know, may sort of affect uh, things like the drinking water quality, as the Ger as uh, Germany has mentioned, and uh, other. Um, potential effects. So, you know, the Greenpeace, for example, is calling for the Kigali Amendment to um, monitor the amount of HFOs that are used and uh, that are emitted. So, you know, uh, it's it, the bottom line is the NHL, um, you know, in, in, as part of their Greener Rinks Initiative, uh, uh, has endorsed uh, promoting, um, you know, uh, HFL blends. And that, that really, you know, as you'll see, as you if you read the complete article, it's it's a, uh, perhaps a questionable move on their part. And you might hear about this issue uh, later on at the policy level because uh, when I attended the meeting of the parties to the Montreal Protocol uh, last month in Quito, um, Norway, uh, you know, the Norwegian Environment Agency conducted a study as well on the impact of HFOs, and basically right. one of the main uh, conclusion uh, point is. There's no, not enough research uh, from independent bodies. We need to continue researching about that. Right. And the Norwegian delegate asked 
all uh, his colleagues, fellow colleagues from uh, representing different countries to contribute to this uh, research work and those efforts in order to assess better the environmental and health impact of HFOs in the long term. Um, and the, um, the um, ozone secretariat of the Montreal Protocol, so it's a body um, of uh, the United Nations dealing with the Montreal Protocol, said that indeed it would be reassessed uh, later at the next meeting of the parties. So at least, well, I don't have anything concrete, <laughs> but at least delegates are aware and as, are asking for independent bodies to do some research. So maybe maybe we'll, we'll have some uh, news again next year about this. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear, Marie. I'm glad they're keeping an eye on this. All right. Well, thank you. And that wraps up today's NatRef show, which, by the way, is our last installment of 2018. I want to thank my colleagues, Charlotte and Marie, and thank you all for listening. Happy holidays to all, and we'll catch you next time on the NatRef show. <laughs>